Welcome to the Do Something Beautiful podcast. I am your host, Leah Darrow, and I share with you inspirational people who are truly doing something beautiful to make our world better. We are inspired by Mother Teresa who said, do something beautiful for God. Do it with your life. Do it every day. Do it in your own way, but do it. I think it just shows maybe a more obvious way that we've been living, that we are really in denial of human suffering, maybe. Mm. Like we've, the amount of people that have have lost their lives, at least here in the United States to COVID-19, it's horrific, I know, but it's nowhere near the loss of of babies being aborted. And I'm not. And of course, not trying to like, you know, um, do a red herring or like trying to like push the attention off of something else. But like, in general, there have there's been human suffering and there's been deaths every single day going on prior to this point. But I guess it's, you know, I, I don't know when when I guess COVID-19 is maybe different because like anybody could get it versus some of these. I don't know. other other. I just I don't I don't, I don't know. I don't know, know so much about the health pieces as much as I see the reaction to this versus the reaction to other um, things that, you know, uh, end life. And I'm like, what, what, like, are we, are, are we going to wake up and say, okay, um, is, is, is all life valuable or is it still just you where you're at in your city when the pandemic is closer to you versus some, somebody else who's not taking it seriously? Right. You know, I don't know. Right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Like abortion is just this like peripheral thing, but like, if you can't get toilet paper on Amazon prime, Right now, now we have to, now we have to take a stand. Right. Like now it's something to get crazy about. Now we need to, um, you know, rush the Capitol and protest, right? Because, right. because of this and, and not that some of those protests don't have merit, but I mean, like when, when have we, what we choose to stand up for says a lot about us and what we choose not to stand up for. So I don't know. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's just very revealing. I think this time is just extremely and obviously revealing. It's stripping, you, you know, it's, it's, it's uncomfortable and it's inconvenient. Uh, like, but like, <laughs> I keep hearing that word too. Like, I know this is inconvenient. And I'm like, what part of pandemic did you think was convenient? Like, we, we, are we talking about the same thing? Did you not think that inconvenience would be a part of the plan? Like it's a pandemic around the world. I don't know, people, it's crazy. It's, it's a crazy world, but I think, I think the essential point, I think what you said there is like the core point. And, um, and since we last talked, I was thinking a lot about, you know, sort of what our role is here. And um, I really do. I did like a whole Easter series, like a triduum series from Good Friday, Holy Saturday and Easter Sunday. Like what is our obligation and responsibility in this time? If we have an audience or a platform or like people that actually care what we have to say about something, it's like, what are we actually calling people to? What's the call to action here? Right. And, you know, it's like every single person is being challenged with what your attachments are. And what, what is your thing? What is your hang up? What is your thing that you're like used to? What is like what you think you need for life? And, um, you know, everything from like, I need my Amazon prime or like, this is like my idea of homeschooling, or this is my idea of not homeschooling or, um, 
you know, mass has got to be in Latin and it's got to do this, or it's got to have charismatic prayer or else the Holy Spirit's not there. And it, you know, basically God is just like, okay, we're just wiping the board clean. Like there's no mass, you know, figure out schooling outside of any parameters that have ever been there for anybody before, like figure this stuff out. Like it's totally different. I'm turning everything upside down. And whatever gets shaken up in that process, it's like, oh, this is what I was clinging to and so attached to. And now we have a chance to do something with it. Yeah. You know, it and it's really like, how are we going to be different a year from now or six months from now because of what we went through here? And if, if we can't answer that question clearly, decisively, and with like real mo- motivation um, to really change something for ourselves, I think we've missed a huge opportunity that God wants to give us. Yeah, and I think that's that's the point, is that to look at this situation we're in as an opportunity and not as the victim. It's happening to me. It's happening to me. I can't do anything, right? right? My hands are tied. No, they're not. No, they're not. Right. They're quite free. And we live in an amazing country um, that, that makes sure that we are as free as we possibly can be. So I think that that is a great point of of looking at it as an opportunity. Um, yeah, let's let's not waste any more time. Let's just get into this. This is good. So since we're already recording, I'm not going to start over. I think we should just keep going. Welcome, my friends, to the Do Something Beautiful podcast. Uh, you have just heard in our very different intro, Dr. Greg Bataro. But, but why do I always have a hard time with your name, Bataro? Bataro? It's, it's Bataro. Bataro. Well, I, I, it's so easy. And I sit there like, I don't know what I'm saying. Anyways, Dr. Greg is one of our um, uh, guests that we just continue to have on. I just, I, I, um, I pay him in prayers and I bring him on as often as possible <laughs> because he's phenomenal and he's got such practical good information. So if you don't know anything about him, he's a clinical psychologist practicing in Connecticut and New York. Um, who sees many others through online therapy, So, uh, which is really amazing. He's been doing this for quite a while. This He did not jump on the bandwagon about 30 or 45 days ago, uh, which I think is really, really beautiful that God has set him up to help, help us in these very um, strange times we find ourselves in. But he specializes in the integration of Catholic philosophy and theology with psychology. My they're my three favorite things, philosophy, theology, and psychology. Um, he founded Catholic Psych Institute in 2012 to connect Catholics around the world with therapists trained to integrate the faith with practice. It's pretty amazing. You definitely need to check it out, and all those links will be in the show notes. But CPI, Catholic Psych Institute, now runs out of 16 offices with 11 therapists, all seeing clients online around the world as well. Um, And he recently launched a membership site called Integrated Life. That's pretty awesome. Again, that will be a big, with like lots of um, little asterisks by it, Integrated Life membership. You need to go check that out. That combines teachings um, from the Catholic Psych Academy with individualized coaching and community. Dr. Greg, it's so great to have you back on. Oh, thanks so much. It's awesome being here with you. All right. So we've already started the conversation. I think we just need to keep into it. Really picking up from where we started this when we when we hopped on this, this uh, Zoom call of really looking at this situation right now, um, this pandemic, COVID-19, as an opportunity. And there's so much conversation, like we were talking about this um, last week. There's so much conversation about like this reactionary response 
of people and I, we understand why, but constantly like, what, what, how can you do this right now? How to homeschool your kids right now this way, how to make it through, I guess, to the next day. And what you and I talked about is there was a void of a conversation that was talking about like, how are you going to be different because of this? And when it's all said and done and when it ends, which it will, how will you be different? Like what, how will you remember this time and how will you change because of it? And there's a lot of different ways to kind of go into that, but that's kind of like where we want to go with this conversation today. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, we, we, for good reason, get locked into patterns of thinking and feeling and patterns of behavior. And this is the most of our life. We're just doing things. It's because we've always done it that way until we're really jostled out of that, you know, normalcy. Mm-hmm. And in fact, something people don't know much about John Paul too, he's, he's my own personal hero, like many, uh, many Catholics, but he was an incredibly insightful psychologist. He wasn't licensed, but he was incredibly insightful. In fact, he, he sort of is my, my model and hero for, for the foundation of everything I do as a psychologist. So he really understood the human person psychologically because psychology overlaps this, this world of the body and the spirit. And something that he talked about was how he said, basically, the, the whole of a person's life and the goal of conversion is to become more aware of all the things that are held in our unconscious. So he actually had a lot to say about the unconscious and he referenced Freud and he talked about the good things that Freud did to contribute to our understanding of the human person. But he said he was kind of, he kind of left a lot out and he didn't go far enough with the role and purpose of the unconscious. And so he basically was talking about how, you know, we have all of these narratives, these thoughts, these beliefs about ourselves that we're not even aware of and we're operating based on these underlying unconscious narratives you know so like moms who are running around feeling like a failure is is leading them to think like okay i have to make the meals perfectly and i have to follow all the right diets and i have to do this for my kids and i have to match the instagram pictures and i have to do all this stuff it's like well there's an underlying unconscious narrative that's like afraid of failure that believes that there's a a potential for failure and believes that somehow they are a failure if they don't do all these things, but they're not thinking about that when they're making the peanut butter and jelly sandwich and cutting off all the crust. You're, you're thinking about, you know, just like I have to do this perfect and my kids have to be perfect and all this stuff. So this is the crazy, beautiful gift and the, and the, just the unmeasurable, immeasurable love of God for us that he allows things like this to happen in our lives because it just completely shakes up the unconscious. And it just like when a hurricane comes through, if you live at the ocean, like there's nothing more fascinating than walking on the beach after a hurricane. And and you see all this junk that gets turned up from the ocean floor, and then it washes up on the sea on the shoreline. So these kinds of things are doing that to our unconscious. And there's almost nothing more effective for our own conversion and transformation than having these kinds of, of abnormal life changing and life shifting moments. It happens to us individually. Like when a person close to us dies. Right. And then we're like, wow, like 
I got to reevaluate my life or a near-death experience of our own. That's an internal individual shaking up. This is a global shaking up. It's like everybody's in on it this time. And I just think that that's such an incredible opportunity out of God's mercy and love that he's giving us like as a society to shake things up. It's and, rare. And so it's rare. totally rare. So, so if we don't ask that question, we are completely missing out. And this is just going to be another tragedy. But if we ask that question, how can I become better because of this? Like, even for myself, we were talking earlier about having a platform, having a voice. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that I've been distracted to even sort of sit back and think, like, what's the meaning in all of this? Like, I actually am taking time instead to say, like, how can I change my life? And I'm like, I've, I'm more impatient than I need to be. Like, I can grow impatient. And now, like, I'm in with my wife and my kids more. It's like literal, easy to see examples of my impatience, of my perfectionism, of my you know, holding other people up to really difficult expectations without mercy and compassion. And so like every single one of us, whether you're a bishop or the Pope, I would say down to every single person who maybe isn't even in the faith should be asking themselves that question. Like, what can I see in myself as being challenged by these moments? And then I can find something in there that needs to change as we move out of this. Yeah, I think in in wanting to change and needing to change, and like you said, just to go back to the point you had made, it is such a rare opportunity that we're all in the same boat at the same time. Mm. Usually we're all, you know, like you said, when you deal with something that really rattles the cage, like, like death, death often does that. Our mortality is faced right there when you lose somebody so close to you and you go through that process, everything from finding out the news, um, if you were able to say goodbye or not to the, you know, processing and planning the funeral and the burial. I mean, the whole thing, right? Um, And you feel in those moments so alone. Like you see the world going on around you and you're like, nobody knows, nobody cares. I'm feeling this though. I'm feeling this pain. But we now at this moment with the pandemic of coronavirus are in all, we're all in the same boat at the same time, all dealing with it. Yeah. Like that is so rare. And so let's talk about the psychological, since you are an expert here at this thing, but the psychological perspective of why fear is the natural response and then kind of like how to move out of that, to do what, what you're suggesting to do, to take this as an opportunity to look inward, to have the self-awareness and, and to pray for deeper self-awareness so that we can have those moments of conversion to really come out of this and be like, I'm better now because of COVID-19. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is a lot to unpack, but just to put it really simply, you know, we are, we are this uh, integration, this combination of body and spirit, this union of body and spirit. And our body comes from the material world. And, you know, it, there's an animal aspect to it. So the way our brain works, we have this fight or flight system. We have this survival instinct. What's the survival instinct? It means to keep us alive. And we share that with the entire animal kingdom. Like everything is ordered towards protecting its own life and moving towards life and, and, you know, avoiding death. So that's the biological part of us. And we have, there's good reason to be afraid of death. But we also have the spiritual dimension and we have therefore our faith, which believes in Christ. 
And, and what Christ does for us, what God has come to tell us is that, hey, yes, that whole biology thing, that whole material world thing, yes, that makes sense, but it's not the whole story. Right. There's a bigger picture here. Let me show you the bigger picture. There's another world. My kingdom is not of this world. It's of the next world. And, and, and not only that, but you need to know, like the thing you're afraid of, this death thing, well, I'm going to take care of that. I'm going to conquer that. And now, so he's, sa- he's saying that to us. He's speaking to our spirit. And we have to believe in that by faith. But then we have to incorporate that, bring it into our body, literally. And, and that becomes a part of our enfleshed reality. So what does this mean practically? It means we accept the fact that we have this anxiety response, this fight or flight response, this fear, this, this fear of death. But we also can take a step back from it. You know, animals have to operate within that survival instinct. Like they don't get a chance to take a step back. That's a space that we can open up because of our spiritual dimension. And so because we can think abstractly and we can step outside of the moment of whatever's happening biologically, we can actually observe ourselves acting biologically. You know, so it's like you feel fear and then you can take a step back and you say, isn't that interesting? I'm feeling fear. Right. My heart is pounding. My brain is racing. Like part of your brain can be racing, but then another part of your brain could be stepping outside of it and looking at the racing part of the brain. It's like, my brain is racing. That's an observance that happens because of our spiritual nature. And that's a space we can create between that biological function of the brain and then the spiritual function of our personhood operating in our minds. And then, and that's when we get to see the bigger picture. So it's like, should we be afraid of death? Um, Biologically, it makes sense to be so. But we also know that Christ conquers death. We don't have to be afraid of death. We believe in the gospel. We know that death is only halfway through the story. It's not the end of the story. Right, right. And and it's- So we don't have to be afraid of it. It's the door. It's the door that we all have to pass through. Like it's the necessary. Exactly. It's completely necessary. Right. Like we cannot escape death. There's no vaccine for death. Like (laughs) regardless, um, if, if you die from COVID-19 or a heart attack or cancer or hit by a bus, um, whenever they start running again, but it's going to happen, right? Death will happen. And what I find interesting about this, and I'm not saying that I, I have perfected, you know, you know, I have erased all fear from this concept of death. I, I'm not saying that, but I just find it interesting that as Christians, we profess Christ, um, the resurrected Christ who has defeated death, right? Um, and we love him and we, we want to be with him and we talk about him and all of these things, but the encounter that would put us face to face with him which would be death. We want to run away from yeah. like, I, and I, granted, I'm not saying we should run towards it and create opportunities for that. That's not what I'm saying, but just the concept of like how to approach that concept of death and the, and it's, you know, being so final because it goes into the eternal, like that's, we have to pass through that door. Absolutely. And again, it makes sense to be terrified of it. And, and, you know, Christ in, in, in the garden of Gethsemane was, was terrified of it. You know, I don't think he was only terrified of, of the crucifixion. He was, he was facing his own death, which is a completely unnatural thing. 
Like yeah. whether, whether it's an old age sort of quote unquote natural cause death or COVID-19, or, I mean, I have a patient who just lost a, a, his, his little girl to cancer. Mm. And, and, you know, it's like, no matter what the tragedy, I mean, there's a spectrum. Some, some are more tragic than others, but philosophically, like taking a step back from the human emotion aspect of it, like philosophically, it's all completely unnatural. It's a cosmic absurdity. In fact, philosophers, Catholic, you know, thinkers don't even know how to make sense of it. There's like debates within metaphysics where people are trying, like, how can we even talk about the separation of body and spirit? There really is no way to make sense of that. So Christ facing his own death was facing his own, like this whole unnatural cosmic absurdity that was happening, this cosmic tragedy. And, and he was brought to, you know, sweating, sweating blood, you know, right. in that, in that terror. And so we have to, we have to recognize, like, there's something normal about that. Like, we're not judging ourselves for feeling that way. We shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't, mm-hmm. you know, we that's should what accept. makes us human. That's what, yeah. I mean, that's what makes us human. Right. Right. But we can go, we can follow Christ through that. We recognize, like, as you said, like he did it first and he, he showed us, this is the way he said, I am the way, the truth and the life. It's the only way. Right. So we have to go in that direction. We have to go towards it and we have to believe with hope in the resurrection that comes after it. And that's what, that's what needs to ground our emotional lives. And if we can let that, if we can connect those dots and we can let that ground our emotional lives, we can actually be at peace for most of our life even though we have to follow this way through suffering and death. Yeah. It, you know, it reminds me what you're saying of um, one of the, the last few moments in the life of St. Therese of Lisieux, as she was nearing death, very, 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 very close. Uh, she was, she was very sick and coughing up blood and everything from her sickness, tuberculosis, I think. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, she died, died, died from, yeah, I, I think so. I remember correctly. Um, but she's sitting there and her mother superior's there with her and she's coughing up blood and she looks to her mother and they actually have this um, done beautifully in her, in the movie that someone did on her, whatever story for based on her book, um, Story of a Soul. But she coughed up this blood and she looks to mother superior and she says, mother, this is my agony, isn't it? Mm. Knowing that she's walking with Christ as Christ walked before, she's walking through the steps of what Christ went went through, which is the steps of death, right? She was walking through this and going to be entering into that final door, right? It's just really beautiful to see her resignation to the journey and she would continue on in it and just recognizing it. Like you were saying, like she kind of, she obviously came outside of herself to see, I am dying. This is, this is the agony. This is the, this is my passion. And this is the path that I'm going down now. Yeah. It's so beautiful. Yeah. That openness. And it's such a deep connection to Therese with the, with her childlikeness and her mm-hmm. trust and her abandonment. And it's just like, she accepted her role as a daughter, as a creature and, and made no effort to, you know, steal the, the authority of the creator and sort of be a, a you know, the director of her own life, mm. um, putting herself completely in his hands. And it's like, for her, it was so simple. It's like, this is the way, this is the way, this is what I'm walking, man, this sucks. It's painful, but it's, it's the way. (laughs) I love that. And I think, you know, in talking about like, what do we do next? Like, where do we go from here? Um, I, 
I, I was contemplating on this before we started talking today about what can we spiritually put to death in our own life? Like, what are those things we need to work on? Like, like you said, so that when we get through this, when this ends, when this is over, we can say that we are a new man in Christ as St. Paul yeah. would speak of. Right. So in St. Paul says you have to put to death the old man and become the new man in Christ. Yes. That is conversion. That is a continual putting to death all the things that we come. And like you said, we, we're all in the same boat at the same time. We have this rare opportunity where where we can we can really move forward in God's grace to really be the person God has called us to be. And not just this, like, you can do it, but really like a personal change. So let's talk about that. Like what needs to change? Like how do you think we should move through this? What are the questions we need to ask ourselves? What do we need to look at to really take a good account of, of who we are, what needs to change, and how do we do that? Yeah, no, great question. And, and I think that number one, the most important thing is that we are in control of how we use our time. Yeah. And because you can't do anything else. Right. Until right. you're the one who's intentionally in control of your time. You are the steward of your life and how you live your life and what you do with your time. And there's so many ways that we give up that authority wrongly. And we're going to be responsible for that. <laughs> so much. Oh my God. It's just so <laughs> much. Like if we just conquered this, if you would be, you would change your life if you just conquered it's how really you use it. your time. It's exactly right. And so, you know, again, this opportunity is so profound, like in the way that God has provided it in the context and the sort of like, he's really like just paused all of our schedules and, yeah. and, and like turned again, turned it all upside down. Like these are your assumptions of what you have to do at a certain time, a certain day of the week, a certain whatever. I'm just got like, let's start from scratch and everything is turned upside down. And, and practically speaking, we have to open up time for prayer and silence. And I'm not saying this in a way that's like morally, like you got to pray more. What I mean is silence where you have time to be with yourself in the present moment, because that's also where God is and that you have communion with God in the present moment, because our entire day, which turns into an entire week, which turns into a whole month which turns quickly into a whole lifetime is filled with distractions from ourselves and distractions from the present moment, which is where we can actually commune with God. And you don't have to be a mystic, a, you know, a, a contemplative saint to have communion with God. You have to have the discipline because it does take work to get control of your time and your schedule. And then to prioritize blocks of time where you're going to actually have silence. And this is basically what I've made, uh, at least for now, my life's work all about. Like I just am, am pleading and begging with people. I created a whole program. I keep changing the program. I modify it. I figure out, is, is it working? Is it capturing people's attention? Are they, are they watching the whole video or are they stopping? Okay, people watch a 15-minute video, but not 21 minutes. Okay, I'll refilm everything and make 15 minutes. Okay, five minutes works better. That's what I need to do. So that's become my driving passion is getting people to stop and listen, to slow down, to realize that we have the authority to do this in our life. 
And so many people, no matter what I offer, how much I give away, like whatever else, it's like, yeah, yeah, it sounds great. I just don't have time. I just don't have time. Right. And I feel like in a lot of ways, God has really showed up to like, give me a hand here in my own life's mission, because he's like, oh, people don't have time for a mindfulness exercise. Guess what? I'm calling a worldwide mindfulness exercise. (laughs) Right. Everybody stop. Everybody take a breath. Everybody listen. Everybody turn inside and see what's really going on calling on all of my lady friends right here. If you are looking for community in a place that is private and off social media, if you're wanting to go deeper in your faith, but you have no idea where to begin and a master's program is not in the cards for you at this moment, you need to check out the Lux Network. You can go to theluxuniversity.com to find out more, but we have created the very first Catholic app for Catholic women that does just that. It brings you community of women in a private setting. It gives you all of the courses from Lux University, courses on the faith, courses on theology taught by experts in the field. We also bring to you live prayer, live weekly prayer at the Rosary and Divine Mercy Chaplet. And we have our chaplain, Father Michael O'Loughlin, who guides us every single week in a gospel reflection. There is so much of that and more inside the new Lux Network. Go ahead, come and join us at theluxuniversity.com. Find out what it's all about. You can choose between one of two plans. And yes, (laughs) I did name them after food. You can choose the chips and salsa plan, which is the prayer in the community, or you can choose the whole enchilada. That's actually the name of it. And that is the prayer, that is the devotionals, that is the community, and that is Lux University, which is really what most women truly do come for, is that whole enchilada plan. But come on in. If you are looking for a place to connect with other Catholic women and and really connect with them, if you want a place where you can pray live with other Catholic women in a private setting off of social media, If you want to deepen your faith, learn more about it, have the answers uh, to the questions that you've been asking for a long time, then you you need to check out Lux University inside that Lux app too. This is here for you. We are here for you. We truly believe that you are a light and yet you are a leader and we are happy to help you get there. Come join us inside Lux. And, and so practically speaking, that's the first step. And that's, you know, not to just try to pitch my own stuff, but this is what I have a, a, an eight week program that goes day by day through like how to actually put this into place. But very simply, you just have to look at your schedule and you have to be able to see like, what time am I prioritizing my relationship with God? Because the BS of like, of course, God's my priority in my life. Like, show me your schedule. Right. Your schedule tells me what your priorities are. Right. Yeah, absolutely. What you put on your schedule for tomorrow and what you actually did yesterday tells me what your priorities were. Oh, you didn't have a schedule. So yesterday, what happened? You just kind of went with the flow. And then, well, you got two hours of Netflix on there. But where's your silent time of recollection and being with God? So so where's the priority? And, and like, we need to show up, like we need to actually do something here. And this, again, this is not like a moral finger waving thing. This is our, this is why the world is suffering so much before the pandemic. The world is suffering from anxiety. We have a pandemic of anxiety disorders. Right. Which there's is, so many, it, so many. There's, 
and everybody's suffering from this. And this is why I think we started off talking like, like people are like, they want this to be a bigger deal than it probably is in most people's lives, this pandemic. And that's because my, my perception on this, my, my sort of interpretation is COVID is a manifestation. It represents a, a, a scapegoat. It's like a thing that gives reason for why I feel so much anxiety in my life already. Right. Right. This thing shows up on the scene and it's like, oh, now I have a thing that can like, I can put all of my anxiety on. I want this to be a big problem because then it makes sense of why I feel like there's a big problem. Right. Right. And so, so we have to take a step back from that and be like, well, it kind of felt like there was a big problem before COVID happened. Like we've really actually been walking around like that for a long time. And it's because of these anxieties, because we've disconnected from the truth of who God is and, and understanding, like I'm talking big worldview, like not like Catholic morality. I'm talking about like, is there a, a creator out there who, who makes it safe to be human? Because the world doesn't fall on my shoulders and whether or not I'm ever loved doesn't rest on my shoulders. If you, if you don't have that locked into your worldview, you're, you should walk around with anxiety. Right. Right. That's a scary place to be in this world. Yeah. It's like, if you're not loved, if you're not taken care of by a being who actually does have the whole thing figured out, like we're all in a lot of danger. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. So, so these are the kinds of things that we need to be able to answer, to think about, to create time for it. But like I said, it, it really is as simple as, as deciding like, what's your schedule going to look like today? And where are you taking some time for silence? I love that. I think that that's, it has to start there because that time of silence with the Lord, the Lord's going to take it from, from that point. Um, opening up your mind and your heart to deeper self-awareness to show you ways um, in which um, you're hurting and how it can be helped through him. You know, uh, I had a professor in my master's program in theology who would always say that God will never show you your sinfulness without first showing you his love for you. Mm. Like, and so in but th- those happen in moments of silence and in time spent with the Lord, where you are shown and you see and you even can feel like the magnitude, or at least a piece of it, of His love and plan and desire for you. Even if you don't know yeah. all the steps, but that that you have a sovereign God who loves you and is looking out for you and has willed you into existence. And from that confidence, God then slowly opens up a little bit more of like, and then let's work on this piece. You seem yeah. to be struggling here, Leah. Yeah, so yeah. Let me help you here. Let's let's work on this this piece. And it's just again, I think that is the only step that we should talk about today is the fact yeah. of what you just said is this it comes down to this because I guarantee you if we were to give any more practical things to say, everybody would gravitate to all of those and not want to do the thing that we all need to do. Yes, exactly. You're right. It's all we're always coming up with distractions to get us out of spending time in silence with ourselves and with God. If we if we mentioned a book that would help you in your times of silence, you'd be like, "No, I'm going to go buy the book." Uh, and then yeah. what you would do, you would you would buy the book, and then it would sit in your your little prayer chair, and you probably wouldn't read the book that much. Right. And until also- the next distraction. Yeah. 
we love distractions. We buy distractions. We we subscribe to so, so to so many distractions, and it's so beautiful. Like again, love, love, love what you've been saying of that. This is this pandemic is the opportunity God is giving the world, the yeah. universe at one time to say, "Listen to me, come back to me, return to me." You don't need all these things. Let me prove to you how strong you are. Let me prove to you if the strong person, the strong man, the strong woman that I made in you, that you don't need all those distractions to be happy. And in fact, they are keeping you from this, this eternal happiness with me. I just, I love that. There's so much in that. And it's, it's also, um, it's also like, yes, God does come and shows up and he's very real, which is what kind of gives the, the foundation for this whole concept. And at the same time, we also discover that we are so powerful. We have so much creativity, ingenuity. Uh, we have so much power and capacity for, for, for change, for growth, for making things. And what happens is because we don't want to confront what's really in us, we apply, we take all of that power, all of that capacity, and then we redirect it to these distractions. Yeah. You know, and, and what happens is what we discover is if we, if, we dis, if we focus it back on ourselves and our relationship with God in that place of silence, our own, our own ingenuity will take action itself. Like, we'll figure out what we need to do. Right. And it's a collaboration. There's God's grace. There's God's direction. There's definitely God's presence in that. But it's also just coming from within us. Because people think, like, what, what am I supposed to do then when I'm silent? And we're like, it's not going to be hard. In fact, it's so easy that your unconscious knows what's waiting for you. And that's why it's telling you to not look at it. Yeah. It's because of how smart you are, because of how insightful you are, because of how, how, how powerful that self-awareness is that you're actually creating a whole lifetime of distraction to, to avoid it. So it's never going to be a matter of like, what am I supposed to do in silence? I'm bored. Well, the boredom is the distraction. The boredom is your unconscious mind throwing up flares. You know, it's like flares for heat-seeking missiles. You know, the Holy Spirit's trying to come in there and you're throwing up these flares and the boredom is a, just a thought that comes through your mind that is trying to get you to get up and go do something else. I'd rather have a turkey sandwich. Absolutely. And I have a, I, I would love to share this at this point. I don't, I hope this helps you. It always helps me, which is why I'm excited to share it with you. But every time I'm in this space of silence with God, which it always is silence with God. It doesn't mean I can be silent in my backyard, trying to get some stuff with my kids and I'm perfectly quiet, like internally. But when mm. I'm purposely silent with the Lord, boredom, yes. boredom seems to like be the distraction. Mm. And I will say out loud to myself, I am not bored. I just call it to what it is. I say, no, I'm not bored. I'm, I'm distracted. It's very simple, but that's all I say. Because yeah. I realize awesome. boredom is something I, I sometimes look as, I used to look at as boredom the same uh, as the same thing as distraction, but they're two different things and they can be one or the other. But like, I'm not bored um, where I have nothing to do. There's so much to do here with being with the Lord. I'm just distracted. 
and yes. boredom is my distraction. And I just call, I call out this, this, this evil spirit, this, this demon of boredom that seems to try to inflict its wrath upon our brains and our space, right? Our mental space that just says, um, you're so bored. Give up. Don't do this. This is, this is, it's worthless. It's nothing. That's not nothing. That is totally, totally from the devil who wants yes. to keep you from the beautiful integrated silence of you with the savior. And so yes. you have to call out for me. I have to call out my board. I'm like, I am not bored. God yeah, is it. not boring. I am distracted. And this is a distraction. And I send it to hell. I, I know that sounds it's extreme, awesome. but that is what I do. And it so helps me because I just know that. And also sometimes I think when I am bored, when I feel this, this spirit of boredom, then it's a, um, I take it personal. Like you are not good at this. Look at you. Cause I know I shouldn't be bored right. with God. So I know enough that I know that like, it's wrong. Like, oh, you're just, you're not doing meditation. Right. And, and so that's exactly, that's exactly just another, another manifestation of distraction. So it's like distraction upon distraction. These are ruminations that will happen. And, and the, and the way I love the naming thing, because naming is so important to like, create the space when you name something you separate yourself from it and you have control over it you have power over it and so even psychologically this is true so if you if you're feeling frustrated if you're feeling bored and you're just in the feeling you know you don't see the perspective of the big picture but then when you say there is a feeling of boredom inside of me there is a feeling of frustration of anger of judgment of whatever you're naming it and it creates this sort of like boundary around it, which you get to separate out from because you're looking at it. Yes. So it's not, it's a feeling, not your being. Right. Exactly. Like it's not who you are. You are yeah. not a bored person, you know? Right. Like, but we, we, so, but that's what we want to do because that is, again, the tactic of the devil to make um, for you to identify with shame or boredom or the distraction, whatever it is. So that becomes your identity and, yes. and, and you are less of who you are and you're more of the feeling. And then when it, when you're the passion, when you're the feeling, you're uncontrollable, you're unstable. And yeah. then we have our problems. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. So I think about, you know, practical exercise when I'm in that silence is, um, you know, and this is like the found, this is part of Catholic mindfulness, but you know, it, you, you mentioned being outside in the backyard. I think about being outside, looking up at the sky and imagining that you have this little window that you're looking through at the clouds that are passing by the sky and whatever clouds come through, you can see them, label them, acknowledge them. You don't need to ignore them, no matter how scary, dark, or nasty they look. But the idea is the clouds will continue on past that window. Like they're going to float past. And the problem is when we need to like answer it or fix it or solve it or resolve it, we're going to watch the cloud as it floats out of that window. And we keep watching it and we keep our eyes glued to the movement of the cloud going across the sky. So we're still with the cloud when we didn't have to be anymore. If we right. kept our eyes focused through that one window like straight up above us, whatever clouds are passing by across the whole sky, we only see it while it's up in front of our eyes, but then we let it go. So that's what the labeling does, because as soon as you label it, you can just see it as a cloud that's moving by. And then you just sit in that present moment 
And then whatever the next wave of whatever the thoughts or feelings are, thoughts and feelings are going to come in silence. That's the point is not that you're empty. This is a, a misunderstanding of, of mindfulness. And, and I tell people like, it's actually in the name. It's not mind emptiness. It's mindfulness. Amen. So you have a full mind. That's the way God made us. Like you're going to have stuff in your mind. But what the whole thing is about is how you are disposed towards the stuff that's in your mind. And you don't see everything coming across your mindscape, your, your, your mind's uh, you know, sky as a problem to solve and figure out and fix. So like you feel bored. And then the next thought is, well, you're so bad at this. And then the next point is, you know, the next thought is, you know, what kind of Christian are you? You're supposed to enjoy relationship with God. And you have all these judgments that keep hammering you. Well, if you engage that and you're like, but I am a good Christian. And look at all these other things I do. And this is hard for anybody. And da, 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 da. and you're entering into an engagement. That's like watching the cloud as it continues out of the present moment. And you're, and you're staying with something. And then you're out of the present moment. You can just be accepting of the fact that maybe that judgment will cross your mind. You can acknowledge it. And then you can just let it go. You don't have to answer it, fix it, make it go away, nothing else. You can just stay in that present moment. Or just it's, you know, I have found too my own prayer life just to say, and maybe becoming a mother has helped me in my um, exhaustion for surrender. But I'm just like, I don't know. God, it's yours. Deal with it. Yes. I'm exhausted. (laughs) Like, I don't have time to think through that right (laughs) now. And I need you to take it. I sincerely mean that. I surrender it to you or I surrender this person to you. I can't figure this person out. I can't do it. He's yours. She's yours. And I yep. have, I have to, right now, I, I have to make lunch. I have to feed some people in my home. So Lord, you have it and I need to do my work. And I just, I'm like, forget it. I, I can't do this right now. And it's absolutely, like, you just give it, give it to the boss. And I'm like, this is, this is above me here. Take it. Yes. This is so good. And in fact, uh, you know, around right around, you know, after Easter, we're, we're looking at divine mercy and we're mm-hmm. talking about like, that's, it actually is an incredibly powerful, psychologically effective prayer. If we're praying it in the right mindset, because Jesus, I trust in you. Like, that's it. Like what you're saying. It's like, you know what? I gave this to you. I don't need to figure this out. I don't need to solve this problem. It's in your hands. Jesus, I trust in you. You know, but the problem is, then you can, you can, like, I have, I have people that tell me like, okay, so you, you can do this thing and you can get this indulgence and you can pray these prayers. And like, <laughs> is my contrition perfect? And is this perfect? And is this you know, da, 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 da. it's like, whoa, 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 what happened to Jesus? I trust in you. Like, give it right. to him. That right. means let it go. Even the way you figured it out or even the way that you perceive it. It's like everything. Give, give him everything. He wants everything. He does. He wants everything. And and I think as we continue, and what, what a beautiful place to really, I think, put a bow, at least on this conversation is talking. We started with how this current situation that we're in right now with COVID-19, this, this, this pandemic you know, around the world is an opportunity to dive deep into relationship with God and to see how can I be different? Like, how will I be different after this? Because it will end. And to really wrap it up with total surrender. Jesus, I trust in you. Like, Lord, you know, I have no, like, like you said, we have no control over really this pandemic. I mean, we obviously can control like, you know, flattening the curve and social isolation, that stuff. But so many other pieces to this, we don't have control over. What we do have control over is what we surrender to the Lord and 
like you said, um, our time, how we use our time. So before we wrap up, I mean, I'm assuming that that's going to be your challenge, but I don't want to assume. So can you give us just a very specific challenge for our listeners before we leave? Yeah, no. And I think I can't remember if I actually maybe have given this one early in in other conversations, but I want to directly, very strongly and, and like very convictingly challenge your listeners to spend 10 minutes, to block off 10 minutes, to do literally nothing. Not 10 minutes of prayer, not 10 minutes of reading, not 10 minutes of self-care, not 10 minutes of anything else you want to fill that space with, but it's literally nothing. 10 minutes of, you could be standing, sitting, walking, that part doesn't matter what you're doing with your body, but, but actually challenging yourself to do nothing. I love this. I'm going to so do this today right now. I'd be like, I'm sorry, Ricky, you have to handle the five kids. I have an assignment from Dr. Greg. I have to have 10 minutes. (laughs) Like every mother, you can just tell them, I'm sorry. Um, my virtual online psychologist told me that I have to have 10 minutes. <laughs> exactly. <myself>. Doctor's orders. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. Okay, really quick. How can people get in touch with you on social media? What is, um, what is, is, is it integrated.life? Um, no, so we, we actually just migrated everything over. We started on this whole new platform. So okay, tell us, um, tell us. So everything is at catholicpsych.com. Great. And all of my products and, and the courses, the virtual retreat, um, the, the integrated life membership is all there at catholicpsych.com slash store. Got it. And then um, online, all, all the social media handles, it's all Catholic Psych, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. It's all, I'm not on TikTok yet, but we're working on it. I know I am too. I'm just, I just, I just don't know yet how, I don't know how much I want to show you I am a true idiot. So I don't know. <laughs> It's that's what the world needs of us. <laughs> I don't know where to go. Just, with that. I, I mean, I'm not going to start doing the dance moves on TikTok. I think I'll, I'll probably have a different angle, but <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe it'll be better at that. But uh, I, you know, I think the world needs to see us okay. in, our, in our true colors. So, so whoever goes first on TikTok between me and you, that's when, if you go first then that's when, okay, okay, fine, fine. Greg's on, then I'm going to do it. And if I go first, I'm going to challenge you like, okay, you have to do something now. It'll oh be man, this, this is, this is getting deep now. This is a real, this listen, is taking the challenge look, to another look, level. You, you brought this up. You brought this upon yourself. You're the one who opened the TikTok door. And now I'm like, great. Maybe this is the person I need to challenge myself in, in these ridiculous ways. But anyway, so we'll figure out that. But the big point is that you can connect with Dr. Greg at catholicpsych.com. Again, all of that's in the show notes. Make sure you check it out, especially the Catholic mindfulness virtual retreat that he's got going on and the integrated life um, membership site. Really, really helpful. Please consider that. It's beautiful. Um, Again, so happy to have you on. We're definitely going to um, have you back. I will somehow arrange it with all the prayers that you have to come back. You have to pay me back for something like that. I I love it. I'll definitely be here. All right. Perfect. All right. And remember, I just want to thank you so much. Thank you for being a listener of the Do Something Beautiful podcast. You are you are so kind to listen and to help us out, especially wanted to thank all of my Patreon supporters. God bless you. Thank you so much for allowing us to continue with this great work. Um, and remember, whatever you do today, do something beautiful for God. God love you. God bless. And I'll talk to you later.